0: A very warm welcome to our regular listeners and those who are new to a serious radio live brought to you on Body Mind Spirit Radio every third Tuesday monthly at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. UK Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time. A Sirius Radio Live invites you to discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and world renowned medium Dr. George King between 1954 and 1997. As always, be prepared for another amazing show covering fascinating topics such as karma, UFOs, the Mother Earth, the New World, the Next Master, life on planets, and much, much more. Today on Ethereum's Radio Live, your host, Richard Lawrence, is joined by his guest, Mark Bennett, who co authored two books with Richard God's Guides and Guardian Angels and Prayer Energy. He is also an international director of the Ethereum Society. They will be discussing a very important topic for us all to take note spiritual balance. It is now my pleasure to hand over to Richard and his guest mark bennett
1: thank you nikki thank you very much indeed and welcome mark thank you richard great to be here and i think it's very fair to say that mark is uh, by far the youngest international director in the world and it's jolly good to have him on the program uh, uh, tonight now um, this topic spiritual balance Uh, came about in quite an interesting way. The first thing I I would stress is that Mark and I have not discussed, deliberately haven't discussed what we're going to talk about in this show today in any depth at all because uh, we want it to be as natural as possible and it will just, uh, we'll see what happens and we'll see what the two of us come up with. But as far as I'm concerned, I was working on a section of the biography and the particular section I was dealing with was... what some people call a hinterland, or in other words, some of the interests, the pursuits, the background hobbies, if you like, of Dr. King over the years. And uh, there there are some, and it's quite an interesting thing to talk about, um, uh, and we can certainly come back to what those were, but it also became very clear to me as I did so that pretty well all of them uh, related in some way to what he was actually doing and if they didn't he made them relate to it I mean he, he would turn them and focus them for example to give one example uh, he would use um, parties which were held in Los Angeles uh, dur- during Operation Carmelite which we've talked about before on A, th- on a theorist Radio Live and he'd use them to, for relaxation and for stre- uh, to, to relieve stress and so on and they could stop a- at a moment if if a phase of carmelite started in seconds he could stop he'd be over there he was ready he could change immediately and many years later i've seen him uh, prepare for a transmission uh, when it came unexpectedly uh he perhaps had a dinner maybe something to drink but if necessary he would uh, actually I'll, I'll say the truth he would vomit the food if need be or drink or whatever it took to prepare himself to do they could switch gears immediately and even those parties that were held, he was using them also as distractions uh, as part of his whole strategy and his whole campaign. So that's just one illustration. But there are he did have pursuits like that. And then I turned to thinking about, but what really is balance? And I came across this excerpt that I know you, you know very well, Mark, which he gave in a lecture called The Men Who Won Operation Carmelite for You. And uh, that was delivered in 1978. Do you remember that extract there, Mark, where he talked about balance?
2: I, I do. I, I pray that I never forget it. It's, I think, one of the most moving, motivating, and revealing things I, I've ever heard anybody say, ever.
1: Well, that's great. So um, I what I think I'd like to do here then, and and thanks for those words because I agree with them, uh, is read the exact words that Dr. King used, which shows that his idea of balance is completely different from most people's upon Earth. It shows his true calibre, and I think it also is a, there's a great lesson in this, and that's what motivated the topic tonight. So I'll read the very short extract from that address, where he describes the balance, as he saw it, that the Adepts, those warriors who'd engaged in this battle, uh, maintained after it was over, because, as he put it, they'd been under. Uh, and just to remind some of our listeners, or inform some of our newer listeners, this was a conflict between the worst evil on earth and the forces of light. This was the Armageddon as prophesied. It was a horrifying, uh, terrifying, dangerous, sordid evil. Uh, situation that they faced and the stress was just uh, beyond any of our comprehensions and they came out of it and he said of course on earth basically these aren't his exact words but on earth you know soldiers who come back from battle uh, people who've been in these types of experience they'll go on a binge they'll go off they'll get drunk they'll go out they'll uh, go off and disappear for several weeks or whatever it might be but what did the adepts do they maintained their spiritual missions, their spiritual work, their spiritual life, and they just continued. As a matter of fact, even in the years that I knew Dr. King, which is really the last 20 years just over of his life, I saw him do this. I I saw him come back from, for example, the Saturn mission, which had been very grueling, very demanding for him, um, and particularly in those early years of the Saturn mission, get up the next morning after he got back from London and just start working again. Uh, and this was his whole temperament. Now, this is the extract I'm now going to read, and it's, it's about the adepts and what it is that kept them, as he saw it, so balanced. And here, here it is. I do not know what it is with these people that kept them so balanced, so straight, unless it is the love of God through realisation. I think it has to be something like that. It has to be something above the norm. And the love of God through realization is above the norm because very few people have it. They say they love God but they do not really realize what God is to the extent that the adepts must realize what God is. And that is why their true love, true love, true love True love, not the thing you call true love, but true love must be so much greater than the capabilities of a terrestrial because it is born out of realization, out of a knowledge of God, a knowledge of God, a knowledge of God. And it must have been this. This must have been the potion that kept them along that straight and narrow
2: you yeah, know, wonderful stuff. I think, I mean, there's so much that we could say about that. Um, but just uh, to boil it down, what we're given there, though you, we might not notice it at first, is a little formula that the secret to balance is knowing God. And by knowing God, you can love God. And through loving God, you attain this phenomenal balance. Um And exploring a little more the difference between what Dr. King meant by balance and what ordinary people might mean by balance. To him, balance was, I've been thinking about this a lot, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, Richard, but it seems to me that balance to him is the ability to perform tremendous acts of service against tremendous odds.
1: Would you say that well, was a fair conclusion? Well, I it's an aspect of it for sure. I mean, I I think um what that's that's certainly an aspect, but I think also the other aspect. It's it's as far as he's concerned, it's staying on, as he calls it, the straight and narrow. It's staying on the path, if you like. It's not going off on a... You see, a lot of people would say, well, you know, to be balanced, you should sort of go out for a drink. You should go out... Uh, and uh, don't get me wrong, lots of us do. You know, uh, go and watch a football match. Go, and there's nothing... I'm not saying there's anything wrong in these things. I do them myself. But that wasn't his view of it. His view of balance was actually staying on the path. Uh, and not going off and drifting off. Because you're so balanced, mm. you don't need to. Um, mm. And, and then just as you carrying on. Saying, on yeah. And then with you the say, service. Achieving, yeah, with the service, absolutely. And service, yeah. I think, is a, a key element, because the path that he's talking about there, and that we're talking about, King Yoga, if you like, is is a path which contains stress. And service contains yeah. stress, you know, and it contains mm. problems and effort and it, it means working in difficult conditions. And so one does need relaxation. Certainly one does need relax, relaxation. But that's not the key to the balance he's talking about. The thing he's talking about is your internal motivation.
2: Yes, uh, absolutely. It was it, actually even, although I've studied this quite a lot, preparing thinking about it today Mm. uh, I found it a very helpful reminder you know because I of course experience stress as do we all uh, Mm. on the path and you think well how do I get over that and you think of various ways and the normal things you might think of was well I need more rest and relaxation Mm -hmm. and sometimes there's an element of truth in that but I think sometimes it's a bit of a cop-out and what I should really be doing is trying to know God better so yes. I can love God better and therefore be more balanced such that I can handle more stress and therefore mm. be of more service.
1: Yes. And I think it's interesting that, you know, he's, he stresses love there. In fact, there's a blog out about love, which I'm sure people, if they don't have it already, they can, they can obtain it. But, um, you know, his idea of love is love of God, for sure. And that must mean all aspects of god which includes humanity yeah, and that, that motivates them because god because humanity is part of god
2: yes absolutely and they know that because they know mm. what god is
1: exactly yeah
2: yeah going going true. back a little bit to the, the the more basic level of you know we all to varying degrees need uh relaxation and a bit of fun etc mm-hmm. for for to be to be balanced Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that that is uh, perfectly within even the strict confines of um, Dr. King's teachings and example. Um, But I think that um, probably most of us think we need a a lot more than we do very often. Um, And it's true that we do need a bit. But as we become more advanced, it would seem... We need less. We still might need some, but we need uh, less. Someone someone who is absolutely just beginning on the path and had previously led a very ill-disciplined life, for example, might need more than someone who had been practicing strict yoga discipline for many years. And taking it, to an, taking it to an extreme, um, I, found a, I found an example here of... Um, From uh, the the lecture on the the master's lecture, uh, Doctor King's lecture on the ninth freedom um, Mm -hmm. about the solar lords, Mm -hmm. and he says, um, when it gets to it, because it's beyond gender as we understand it, when it gets to this stage, by the way, the live stream is capable of exact science. It doesn't do anything for fun. It doesn't experiment. It's an exact science, Mm -hmm. and there you have really virtually one of the highest levels of evolution that we could even begin to imagine.
1: Absolutely. And
2: there we have it. They don't need to maybe watch a bit of telly or, you know, do all the little things that maybe help us at our Mm. level.
1: Well, exactly. And then also, which goes back to what I was saying at the beginning about Dr. King himself, because the things that he did were very rarely just for fun, even if he was doing them for relaxation and even if he enjoyed them. I mean, let me give a few examples. I mean, his, his the things that he was interested in doing were things like boating, for example. Mm. Now, boating also related directly and was used explicitly in the missions. I mean, before the first mission that used boats, which was Operation blue water he encouraged one or two of them to to purchase a boat and i've spoken to one of them charles Abrahamson, about this um apparently as a sort of recreational thing uh, they went along with him they didn't particularly want to they just went along with him and of course it was vital for blue water that they had that boating experience he was interested in audio technology but that's a key thing in, in the transmission, especially in the early days when you know, reel-to-reel tapes were used and so forth. Later on, he became quite interested in, in chivalric traditions, but he also formed his own order of chivalry. So there was often a link uh, with between fun in inverted commas if you can call it that and what what his mission and his work was and he would use it even watching television and he admitted this very often while he was watching television he could be working out some strategy he could be in contact with uh, another intelligence um he used i mean his other hobbies would include photography which was used filmmaking which was used in starlight and so on And one could go on. Um, uh, You know, he he did have a fantastic sense of humour, no question about it, and that, uh, I think, helped him through an extremely difficult life. But it was all, that's putting it mildly, used as part of his mission in one way or another, even if it was enjoyable fun.
2: Yes, uh, absolutely. It's fascinating to see. It's like he was sort of... um almost couldn't help but be balanced
1: no no i mean I, I remember for example it was very very difficult to get him uh, for his own sake and for his own health to go away on any kind of vacation as i'm sure you know mm-hmm. and i do remember once um he really needed to get away because he suffered from bronchitis when he was in england and a, g- a very good place to go for that is bognor regis for the air and so on and is known for it uh, but, to get him to go there um he'd first of all you know he went there uh, and before he would do anything, he got himself into the right situation to take a mental transmission in the hotel in which we were staying, and only then could he really i don 't think he would have enjoyed it if we'd just gone to Bogner for his health go on to well, Bogner, what... take a mental transmission, and then okay, yes let 's have some bracing air now and uh, and a meal out
2: what it What it makes me think of is um you know when we're looking at things like health and relaxation and all that which obviously yeah we have to be balanced about
1: of course and but, we need but them. there's
2: yeah certainly but i think we uh, well certainly i have this weakness i tend to look at it uh, i think often in far too terrestrial a way because i look at that aspect of balance but mm-hmm. then i think what I mean, who, who am I to presume the mind of a cosmic avatar? But it seems from his example that his approach to balance was that there's no balance greater than service. The, yeah. The, the giving, 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 giving. And I think, how is that balance to give, give, give? But you cannot receive unless you give. But that wasn't his motive to receive, I think. Um, one tiny aspect, Uh, again I don't want to presume his thinking but it seems like he was so acutely aware far more acutely aware than we are of how much in debt we are and there's an example of imbalance, we're Mm -hmm. in debt to the cosmic masters who have uh, saved us so many times and even more so probably we are in debt to the mother earth and Mm -hmm. he was desperately trying to help Well, to to balance that in in a sense, but more importantly, perhaps, to help us to balance it into the future. And and when thinking about balance, it wasn't his own well-being that was the the balance issue. It was ours uh, and the whole human race's.
1: Yes, that's for sure. And, of course, there was nothing really that he wanted upon Earth for himself, Mm. to be honest. I mean, he was only Mm. here. He He was the one man on Earth, virtually, well, not the only one, but, you know, he and the, uh, the adepts and uh, the great masters who could honestly say, I'm only here for one reason, mm. and that's to serve. Otherwise, I wouldn't be mm. here at all. But yeah, I think he, there he was another... Uh, yeah, sorry, you say. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to
2: say, I mean, he hadn't come from another planet just to have a holiday in Bognor Regis. He? No, I exactly mean, not. Was, so uh, you know, no, it was, no, hardly. He, he, he was here, <laughs> he, he was here for, for specific reasons and probably also acutely aware of time. Uh, and trying yes. to get as
1: much done in, in the short yeah, more, time as he was allowed of us can yeah. can imagine. Absolutely indeed, right. Indeed. But he had yeah. another word, of course, which I think is kind of linked to this, but he used it in a different way, and that is practicality. And I think what some people think of as balance is actually, in his eyes, practicality. And there, I'm talking about some of the things you mentioned, like there are things we have to look after, such as health. Uh, we have to be practical about that. We have to look after money, I'm afraid. If we're living on this physical realm, if we're on a higher realm, we wouldn't. But here we do, within reason. And again, those things are subject to our internal motivations. I mean, a person who needs less because they're more detached from materialism is a wealthier person but they still have to be taken care of. Uh, uh, But those weren't the things that he would call balance, the things that we might on earth think of as balance, nor, you know, having... Uh, me time to to use an american (laughs) phrase or this sort of thing to him this wasn't balance. It, it comes over so strongly and as you rightly say it's totally related to the advancement of the individual so you've got the two factors you've got the advancement of the individual a more advanced individual will need less because they will have risen above the need for certain things but also that more advanced individual might be under probably if they are, well they will be under more stress have greater responsibilities for the world mm. than your less advanced person and so they in that way they might need certain relaxation and so on so you've got those two things at work which makes it so different from the old age paths
2: yeah i mean i think the 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 correct spiritual approach is that you need balance in order internal balance as a state of mind in order to be able to uh, do a tremendous amount of work under tremendous stress. Whereas the kind of ordinary man on the street kind of approach is that balance is that you should do less and have less stress in your life
1: yes and and they they would that people would regard that as as uh, you know a sensible balanced way of living and of course it misses the big ingredient as you said earlier of service which is the a b and c of, of the matter it's, the, yeah, it's and the whole focus of it
2: i mean the ordinary person's um life the ordinary person who has no uh, spiritual or humanitarian inclination of any kind and just basically lives a completely selfish life, of which, let's face it, it's the vast majority of people on Earth, they, they they probably, they might seem like nice people, they might be nice people, they might be pleasant people to meet, but they are absolutely, absurdly imbalanced. And they might look at the life, say, of a... Um, Uh, You know, someone who's heavily involved in spiritual or humanitarian work, whatever form that might take. And they might think, you know, what's wrong with that person? Why are they doing that all the time? They need a break. Um, They should concentrate more on their social life or whatever. They they get it completely wrong. They think that their self-absorbed life is balanced when it is not at all and they think that the spiritual worker's life is imbalanced, when in fact it's far more balanced than theirs, even if uh, that spiritual worker does exhibit, say, perhaps certain character flaws due to stress or what have you.
1: Indeed, and of course that's something that hasn't just applied to um, what we might think of as spiritual workers, but also some of the standout geniuses of history who've been regarded often in their day and sometimes after it as very weird very strange uh, i mean I, I, you know and sometimes even now you'll see, i've seen articles of, for example about william blake by critics who think he's one of the greatest poets ever and greatest writers and possibly one of the greatest artists and yet in the same vein will describe him as being schizophrenic and mentally mm-hmm. not <laughs> stable and and so on and of course The problem there, I think, we've probably hit on another thing that comes into this equation, which is conditioning. There's a certain conditioned view, especially on this realm, which would be very different from, if you can call it this, the conditioned view on a high realm. Um, And that is that there are certain expectations. The average person has an idea of what they need to live a balanced life and they think we all need it and of course what they need such a person and this is not judgmental in any way we're all different but could be vastly different from what that unusual genius or that spiritual uh, worker or or a devoted humanitarian might actually need
2: yes indeed Uh, uh, I still think though that um, most people think they need far more than they actually do. Um, so talk, you, we were talking about money, for example, and relaxation. I think most people probably imagine, um, certainly in the in the wealthier Western world, they imagine that they need far more than they do. They think that if they haven't got two cars, or five bedrooms, or whatever, that then you know there's some problem. Um, Whereas the idea of need uh, to someone in a a poorer location would be very, very different. And and the concept of need for a more advanced person would be very, very different. A more advanced person would really only just need uh, their basic physical needs to be met so that they could perform service, a little bit of relaxation here and there, but much less probably than they could have and much less than maybe other people around them think they should have as well but as you mentioned with dr king if you the more advanced you are it's not sort of that you you are necessarily always in a great state of suffering and self denial like some kind kind of awful medieval sort of idea of austerity it's that a more advanced person just isn't interested in having five bedrooms and a, a Lamborghini or whatever. They just, they just need somewhere to sleep that's comfortable and maybe quiet or whatever so they can be refreshed and carry on working. They may need a vehicle so they can get somewhere. They don't have any interest in these material things because going back to that wonderful quote, they know what God is and they have a love for God, and and, and they, they're not interested in these basic material manifestations uh, of the lower aspects of God.
1: Yeah, other than, as I said earlier, in a practical way. Indeed. And they may take yeah. a practical interest in it's these things. It's all a means to that. an end, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: A- and Indeed. a sense of understanding, too, understanding all things. But they don't have attachment for, for its own sake. Uh, no, it, it's, uh, it, it's, all, it's all about a higher understanding and, and the big picture
1: Yeah, and I think that leads us very well into our first break uh, to you Nikki. and then afterwards I'd like to go into other areas which require spiritual balance such as psychic and spiritual development and so on so if we could have the uh, half time break now Nikki, then we'll come back with more thoughts and ideas on spiritual balance
0: Well, thank you very much, Richard and Mark. Yes, you are listening to A Serious Radio Live with host Richard Lawrence and his guest, Mark Bennett, discussing spiritual balance. I have several announcements to make today, so please bear with me. Saturday, July 21st, a one-day spiritual healing class starting at 9.30 a.m. will be held at the Michigan branch in Royal Oak. Pilgrimages to various holy mountains charged with spiritual energies through Dr. George King during a mission called Operation Starlight will be taking place both in the USA and the UK to which you are warmly invited as follows. One is being organized next week to Mount Adams in New Hampshire. For more details, please contact Dave Capuaro at the Michigan Branch. On Saturday, July 28th, there are two pilgrimages taking place. Mount Baldy in Southern California, USA, and the annual Operation Prayer Power Pilgrimage to Holston Down, North Devon, UK. For full details of these and other forthcoming pilgrimages, please visit aetherius.org. Events at the Aetherius Temple in London, we have Sunday, July 22nd, a workshop with Zasha Brazili, Prayer Energy Really Works. Tuesday, August 14th, another King Yoga Experience event entitled, What is God? with Noemi Bates. 12 midnight GMT, August 5th, sees the last hour of the second spiritual push for 2018. You are warmly invited, as always, to attend London, Los Angeles, and Michigan, or any one of our centers where services will be held to mark this potent time when the giant spacecraft we know as the third satellite leaves orbit of Earth, having flooded our world with much-needed spiritual energy since July 5th. You are always welcome to join us every Saturday and Sunday in the live online 12 Blessing services. To find out more, please visit 12blessings.org, that's 12 in digits. For full details of all activities mentioned in this show, please visit ethereus.org, and the next Ethereus Radio Live is on August 21st, which will be a very different type of show. Richard Lawrence will be put on the spot by staff member Darren Ball on the subject of Why Choose a Spiritual Path? Richard will have no idea what questions Darren will pose, so don't miss that one, or indeed any future shows. So that's it for now, and I'm very pleased to return you to your host, Richard Lawrence, and his guest, Mark Bennett.
1: Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, indeed. Um, Yes, Mark, I was going to move on to another area which is very much mm. related to this, and, and that's the area of, of psychic and spiritual development. One thing I would like to state very clearly is that one aspect of spiritual balance, certainly for all of us, I, I, Dr. King was in a different category because he came with beyond enlightenment before he ever reached this world but uh, in our case we do need and i i've seen this so often over the years over the decades actually to maintain our internal spiritual life and i i think that is a, a part of the inference as well of what dr king stated there because he's talking about realization and of course we do have a book about realization it's called realize your inner potential and those are practices that um, I, I believe, and they're all practices that came from Dr. King, of course, that it, these are the practices that I believe people needed in the past who were, shall we say, unbalanced in their, in their manners and in, in their life and yet were doing great works and perhaps were highly inspired geniuses and yet out of control in certain aspects of their life. Had they had a, a program like that and maintained it, I'm sure they could have dealt with that. I mean, speaking for myself, and I, I know you'll agree, Mark, and I know lots of other people do these practices every day. I, I find that I I need to do. It's not even that I just want to do. I need to do, for example, those breathing exercises and certain visualizations attached to them at a regular on a regular lef, uh, basis in order to maintain a certain level of balance, if you want to use that word. And I think this is something that comes to the fore quite a bit. Now, when I look at, uh, you know, and I was writing the early chapters of the book, and I was looking at Dr. King's life before the Aetherius Society was founded, and in those years he was practicing yoga for eight hours a day, and he was having incredible experiences. I mean, just to name one or two of them, uh, people are familiar with this some already, but he experienced physical levitation. He experienced... Total invisibility, where he disappeared from view, from people around him. He developed phenomenal physical strength, uh, where he could move the old fashioned metal, if anyone knows these nowadays, telephone box uh, without even trying, really, or the door off it. I mean, these are things that he was experiencing. And one of the miracles to me in studying that period of his life was the fact that he remained balanced at all because he was on his own doing these practices, and I think a lot of people would have gone a bit bananas, to put it mildly, in their behavior and in, in their mode of behavior, but he just, again, just like he did after, you know, as a great master in service, he just doggedly continued with his practices, did what work he needed to do to earn money, and just continued steadfastly, and that's one of his hallmarks. So I, I think for us, we certainly need, it's not even that it's not an option. If we want to maintain this path of service, we will need some kind of regular program of spiritual practices, and Realize Your the Potential is the one that we really recommend, and of course the Twelve Blessings, uh, it, just in order to maintain the internal motivation that will give us that realization to continue in this path.
2: Yes, if I, if I may, may I add something. It reminds yeah, me, do. Richard, of something that you told me um, uh, many years ago when I was uh, first showing an interest in the Aetherius Society, and I think I was probably even a, a teenager at the time, and um, the issue of time and spiritual practices came up. And you said to me, well, the thing is really that you don't have time not to do these practices. And that always left a lasting impression because it sounds like a joke, but it's so true because, Mm. uh, yes, sometimes it is a a bit of a bore uh, Mm -hmm. or a bit difficult one way or another to find the time, um, even if it's only 15 minutes or whatever. Um, And, of course, the lower self kicks in and tries to find all kinds of reasons why we don't have the time. But the Mm -hmm. thing is, if we lead our lives without any kind of um, going within time, any kind of self cultivation, any kind of the discovery of God within us we 're going to make horrendous mistakes um, and and because one thing that these practices do is they give you I mean, it doesn 't make you infallible, of course, but it gives you. Uh, more balance, uh, as we're talking about, to make the right decision. Not to make a decision based purely on uncontrolled emotion or what we hope or desire or fear, um, but actually to look at things calmly, maybe logically, maybe intuitively, based on the facts, hopefully all three of those things. Um, and this can save us hours. It could save us um, a whole life it could stop us from falling off the spiritual path and um looking at um my experience of the practices people sometimes say to me um, well you know you don't seem particularly enlightened to me and you do these spiritual practices what are you getting out of them and um i sort of smile and i say well i think what they've done for me more than anything and that is worth more than anything to me, is that it's kept me on the path. I've Absolutely. made mistakes, you know, I have, as we all do, our struggles and whatever, but I'm still here. And mm. um, a, lot, a lot of others aren't.
1: Yep, I'm afraid so. And, and, and I've seen it, and I've seen people neglect their inner life, and they're working hard, very hard, and gradually they can assimilate um, what you might call materialistic behavior patterns while still serving and then suddenly there'll come a mm. point where they're tested we're all tested and that where are the reserves that's when you need your spiritual reserves and the practices are essential i would say i wouldn't say they're an option they're Absolutely. essential Absolutely. now if i could um mm. mark i'd like to now bring in the great words of mars sector six mm. that um sounds good. because he, he stated in, in A Cosmic Message of Divine Opportunity something which I think is very relevant to this. And so I'll quote a, a paragraph here. He says this, If you're willing to work as hard as you can in the best spiritual cause you know, and pray as hard as you can in the best spiritual way you know, attend as many pilgrimages to holy mountains as you possibly can, then this year will be crowned with the golden crown of great success for you, and that can be guaranteed. Just try it and see how your karma will change. Those of you who may be a little advanced and who can see your own karmic pattern will notice the change. Subtly at first will the colors alter and then will come a definite pattern which can be seen. Then will come color dovetailing into color in a perfect natural rhythm. Then will your karma be so described by you that you'll be able to spin the web from experience, second by second, altering it at will, and through work, until the karmic pattern is such that greater enlightenment will come to you, so that you can be of even more useful service. It takes but a modicum of advancement to see this. Even with no such occult vision, you will still notice the subtlety of emanations around yourself. Do not dwell on it, for no matter how subtle it be, no matter how perfectly you describe your karmic pattern upon terror, that's the earth, you will not, metaphorically speaking, be fit to grow wings. You will still be but upon the first step of advancement. Do not let the golden dove of humility fly from your hands to leave you a self-satisfied Fool, for you will fall.
2: Mm, stirring words. I, I, I have to confess. I, I'm sure I have studied that in the past. But it's, um, like so many of these uh, gems, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of uh, washed over me. Perhaps I yeah. think, and there's a lot to take in there. Perhaps you could give a, a, a brief summary of what you think that's all about. Well.
1: I think it's interested in several ways. Um, and to be fair on you, you weren't prepared for that, and you haven't got it in front of you, so it's hard to, to No, to I, I, I but, most
2: definitely wasn't.
1: But um, the, I think, first of all, um, you you have this concept brought into the equation, which must relate to balance as well, of course, of karma. Mm. and it, And it actually ties into something you said earlier about service, keeping on mm. working and that course alters your karma and you create or we would create a karma which enables us to continue which enables us to advance mm. and be be more useful and then there's this whole concept of seeing your karmic pattern change and he and he describes it as a visual thing and clairvoyance of course we'll see it in the aura and by the way, you know, people, um, and we, we're hearing so many King Yoga experiences at the moment, people are having all kinds of experiences in, in so many ways. I mean, just to give one or two examples, um, people will f- actually do feel the energies starting to flow through them when they heal or when they pray. They're starting to be more aware of their intuition. So many other things that we've talked about uh, in, in previous shows, they might be developing one of the psychic senses, vision, smell, taste, touch, and so on. And as that happens, we have to maintain balance. Now, as you know, I've done a lot in psychic development, especially a couple of decades ago, in teaching people to unlock their psychic powers and so on. One of the biggest dangers is the ego then, Uh, creeping in it can happen to any of us and i'm sure it's happened to all of us to some degree or another and it can all seem much larger than life suddenly this whole new world is opening up to us it's exciting and again your average materialistic person who doesn't believe in such things simply won't understand why a spiritual person wishes to spend so much time in prayer and so much time in service yes it's to help others that should that's always got to be the motive but it's also a lot of the time, not to say all the time, but a lot of the time, a very exciting, uh, eventful, experienceful life. Uh, just as in the old days, in the old yogas, which no longer apply, the, the, the yogi in retreat who'd sit in a cave in meditation must have it, it felt like hell to some people, the very thought of it. And yet they were undergoing these wonderful, wonderful, elevated, exciting experiences in that cave. Not all the time but some of the time. But then comes this wonderful aphorism, which I, I do believe is one of the great aphorisms of all time. Do not let the golden dove of humility fly from your hands to leave you a self-satisfied fool, for you will fall. And, and I think that too is, is an essential aspect of spiritual balance.
2: Yes, yeah, absolutely, indeed. And, and if we really think, whatever our accomplishments if we really think about it, we have every reason to be humble, and it should be quite easy for us to be humble uh, when we consider how dependent uh, we have become on the cosmic masters, though that divine intervention is coming to an end, and how we've taken the Mother Earth for granted, and so on. You know, Mm -hmm. if there's ever a race in the galaxy that should be humble, it should be us, no matter how good
1: we think we are true and i think that's a very important point because sometimes on this earth we can make the mistake of sort of uh, looking around as a yardstick at the sort of general human behavior and think maybe wrongly maybe rightly but think i'm doing quite well but Mm. even if we were doing quite well compared to a lot of people on this planet it's nothing it's very mm. poor and as master Theorist once said we're on, you're only doing your ordinary duty uh, mm. you know it's nothing great it's no great shakes absolutely and that's that's a, a key element i think of it this it
2: reminds me a bit that actually of um, a slightly uncomfortable thought um uh, well it always makes me feel a bit uncomfortable anyway but it's very inspiring as well is you know we think sometimes when we when we have our spiritual push services, which in England anywhere at a very inconvenient mm. time, mm. and there's a temptation there. I wouldn't quite go as far as to say to think you're a hero, but you think oh gosh, you know I'm doing this this awkward time praying for a whole hour and uh, mm. and all this, and and then you're reminded of that. Uh, race, I uh, forget which master it was, told us about, it. I think it may be the master of theories, perhaps you remember Richard, um, mm-hmm. who told us about a race where when they have their equivalent of a spiritual push oh, yes. the whole population of the planet joins in all the time for every yes. minute of it and yes. you just think, my God, how far have we got to go, really? Yes. And then you think also, these are these are beings who have spent thousands of years, um, I think it was something like 10, 20, 30,000 years I I read not long ago, in training for their tasks on satellite number three. Mm. And there they are just waiting for fools like us to bother to raise our hands in prayer or whatever it is, turn off the television and actually do something useful. Uh, I mean, there you have, uh, what better reason could you have than to, to feel humbled?
1: Indeed, and that statement you're referring to is the one that Mars Sector 6 made at the beginning of a spiritual push, Uh, I think it was on September the 3rd, uh, I think 89, I couldn't couldn't be absolutely sure, but it was around 89, uh, and he said something, uh, the exact quote is, when a few are gathered in our praise and appreciation, there is still hope for the planet Earth. And then the Master, as you rightly said, he wrote a commentary on, on what that means and, and, and how they treat satellite number three on other planets as compared to, to this planet. And it, is, it, is, it's, it's, it does make one very humble. Ah, so and then, it, it, was, it was Dr. King himself who made Yeah, that but I think he was impressed. He could easily have been impressed uh, by uh, higher sources when he wrote it. Mm. Um, you you often yes, wonder how,
2: how he knew these things. Yes, um, I mean, obviously, we know he was a cosmic master, but he didn't know everything, did he?
1: No, especially um, in his Earth uh, physical body. Well, ex- because yes, he wasn't exactly. allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. So there was yeah. always there was always that, uh, you know, curiosity, if you like, uh, about how much he did know because he was so enigmatic, and how much he didn't. But getting back to your earlier point about humility, um, you know, I was very mindful. Um, in preparing for an address that I gave on July the eighth, uh, so recently, uh, that you know when, and we've talked about Operation Sunbeam on Atheist Radio Live more than once, and our listeners, our regular listeners anyway, will know that this this mission was devised by Dr King for the Earth, for the planet Earth, and that it inspired the galaxy. So you'd think at that point a person who'd done that would have a certain self-satisfaction. You know, and very you would quickly, despise. too.
2: Yeah, it was very d- quick, that it, it word getting out around
1: the galaxy. Go- oh, yes. uh, well, that was done, of course, it? by the Gotham masters mainly, but yes, it was, and then it spread. But instead of that, though, and this is illustrating the point of humility, Dr. King uh was very dissatisfied with operation zombie this mission which had inspired a galaxy he wasn't at all satisfied with it and he set out in the coming decades to improve it and to make it more effective as he saw it and indeed he did improve it so he was the exact opposite to to what mars 6 would call a self-satisfied fool he was an unsatisfied uh, master of great wisdom. He was the opposite well, This that. This,
2: this, this, this reminds me of something, actually, that definitely relates to balance, is that mm. I think people often mix up balance and complacency. And even in spiritual circles, unfortunately often in Buddhist uh, circles, um, there seems to be this idea that it's all about being content. And I find this really baffling because the the life of the Lord Buddha was the exact opposite of contentment. There you have a man who has it all. He was rich, powerful, uh, had a a wonderful wife, uh, etc. He leaves it all. To pursue enlightenment. And then he attains a a degree of enlightenment, but it wasn't enough. So he leaves that and he tries to find another one. He finds another one. And and so his life goes on. And he's not satisfied with any state he uh, uh, achieves until he achieves nirvana. And then, when he achieves that he 's not even satisfied with that, though, because he leaves it to lead a life of service, teaching others uh, mm-hmm. how to uh, approach the same state. so this is not about this is not um, a, a, a man who is not a master who exemplified contentment, um, and Dr. King is not a man who exemplified contentment, certainly not complacency for a great master, even perhaps for a great genius. Nothing is ever quite good enough, as you say, Richard. It's mm. always about pushing yourself to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And you could say, well, you know, how can you be happy that way? Well, in some ways you won't be happy that way, but you will find something much greater than happiness, which is spiritual fulfillment. Mm. Uh, and going back to the quote earlier, you come ever closer or ever better in your knowledge of what God is, and therefore your love of God, and therefore your balance, and therefore your service.
1: Yes, it's very true. And I think, uh, you know, there is an aspect, certainly, uh, that we do have to remain grounded, and that comes back to what Dr. King would call practicality. That's very important indeed, and that does provide a certain balance, even for spirituality. I mean, you do come across people uh, in the spiritual movement frequently, actually, I'm afraid to say, who aren't, and and sometimes it's very sad. I mean, I remember a very, very well-intentioned, decent person who, who was guided by spirit as he saw it and started a magazine and believed that because he was doing the right thing and, and a noble thing and a spiritual thing that everything would be fine and he literally mortgaged his house uh... in order to have this to get this magazine going and of course his house it was was repossessed and he lost his house and everything because although it was a noble undertaking the world wasn't ready to reward him on, on a material level so that's just one example of the need to be grounded and likewise we've come across people who needed certain medical treatment perhaps and thought that well because i'm leading a spiritual life i won't need to take this remedy or what my doctor says and in fact they did need to take it and it's tragic when things like that happen so those things are very important we have to we have to tick all those boxes and that in just ticking those boxes also keeps us focused and 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 concentrated and avoids us going off on a tangent um and and keeps it functional and also keeps it effective because to spread spiritual truth to perform a mission like operation Sunbeam, you actually do need some money and you do need some people who've got sufficient health and physical strength to do it
2: Yes, just um absolutely, I completely agree with all of that, but just to sort of put a slightly different uh nuance on it, if that's the right word is um sometimes i've been asked um uh, uh, so uh, you know I hear you're involved in service, but do you do anything practical mm. and, and the the automatic presumption um uh, is that prayer, for example, is not practical. Mm-hmm. um and, and and it can be and it can be uh, not so always is. but it can be yeah if done correctly uh, oh. and with the right motive the most practical thing you can do um there are the the um and all of the spiritual activities of the ethereal society are practical in the sense that none of them are theoretical, there is no point in studying theory unless you're going to put it into practice. And so the truly practical person is not the materialist, but is actually the metaphysician, is someone who understands the forces behind uh, the ordinary visible world and uses them in such a way to bring about very practical, vital results. For example, Operation Sunbeam, uh, which Richard mentioned earlier. Uh, This, to the materialist, nothing is happening at all. They couldn't begin to get their head around it unless they had a major change of heart and truly opened their minds. But this is a mission that is of tremendous practical value and has actually change the world. Likewise, the Saturn mission, which saves 90,000 people from, uh, from death or, or, or severe mutilation from so-called nat- natural catastrophe every phase. These things are incredibly
1: practical. Indeed. And I think before we come to a conclusion on this and this we could talk as blisters could probably gather for hours mark and i on this topic uh but don't worry we won't it's only an hour long this show but i i was just going to say that we shouldn't uh deny the fact that some relaxation is necessary on this path especially on a hard-working stressful path probably not as much as many think it is as Mark said. But some is necessary. And I would just like to say, though, that some of the things that people consider to be relaxation aren't technically relaxation at all. doesn't mean that you shouldn't do them. Um, I mean, and I do some of them myself. I don't actually go clubbing. But uh, occasionally I might support a sports team and so on and things like that. But they can't be called um, relaxing Uh, activities they can be highly stimulating ones what all uh, aspirants on this path do need from time to time is some periods of calm reflection let's let's put it that way some might go further and do some what you might call basic meditation it could involve certain forms of creativity uh, certain aspects of of the arts possibly Uh, again this will can help this can be necessary you've got to work out how much of it you need but it is not as some might think the totality or far from the real essence of of full spiritual balance it might just it is something we need to include in our lives wouldn't you agree mark
2: um, absolutely actually it reminds me of um i think it was the first time i started thinking about spiritual balance it was um i was having a conversation with someone who sadly is not on the spiritual path anymore and you can kind of see why um he he was uh, saying that he needed to do such and such which i won't go into in order to be balanced and i was quite annoyed um Probably a bit more headstrong in those days uh, about this because I thought, no, you don't need to do all that. That's absolutely ridiculous. You, 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 yes, you need some some R and R, but you don't need all that. And mm. I just found myself saying back to him, the only true balance is enlightenment. And I think mm. this is something that we can forget: is enlightenment is really is balance because. If you think about what enlightenment is, enlightenment is knowing God, and what greater well there is no greater example of balance than God itself. God is the ultimate balance uh, of all polarities of everything, and if you, I think this is this is this is related to the fact that so many profound statements of truth. Uh, are or seem paradoxical because they are two poles uh, which seem like opposite poles or are opposite poles of the exact perfect balance uh, that is god that is the totality of all things and even more than that
1: thank you mark thank you that's a very good note to end on i think and thanks for being my guest this month my pleasure Perhaps we fitting just to close this, this broadcast on spiritual balance with a few words to recap on a few of those words I spoke at the beginning from Dr. George King. And he was talking about the adepts. I do not know what it is with these people that kept them so balanced, so straced, unless it is the love of God through realisation. I think it has to be something like that. It has to be something above the norm and the love of God true realization is above the norm because very few people have it they say they love god but they do not really realize what god is to the extent that the adepts must realize what god is and that is why their true love true love true love true love not the thing you call true love but true love must be so much greater than the capabilities of a terrestrial because it is born out of realization out of a knowledge of god a knowledge of god a knowledge of god and it must have been this this must have been the potion that kept them along that straight and narrow thanks very much for listening this month and over to you Nikki
0: well wow, wow. so much spiritual food for thought Thank you, Richard and Mark. You have been listening to Aetherius Radio Live, which is your cosmic connection, the third Tuesday of each month. As always, our website, aetherius.org, has more information and details of the society and various publications and audio titles available on CD or download. You can connect with Chrissy Blaze and Richard Lawrence by visiting their respective websites, chrissyblaze.com and Richard Lawrence. .co.uk. Do join us again for the next Aetherius Radio Live on August 21st on the subject of why choose a spiritual path. We hope you enjoyed listening to Aetherius Radio Live and we look forward very much to being with you next month. So thank you for listening to us and have a very, very good month. or the very best. Plus